0: Chapter Eight of Little Masterpieces of Science, Health and Healing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Little Masterpieces of Science, Health and Healing, edited by George Isles. Chapter Eight: Rules for Health. One. The first step towards the reduction of disease is, beginning at the beginning, to provide for the health of the unborn. The era, commonly entertained, that marriageable men and women have nothing to consider, except wealth, station, or social relationships, demands correction. The offspring of marriage, the most precious of all fortunes, deserves surely as much forethought as is bestowed on the offspring of the lower animals. If the intermarriage of disease were considered in the same light as the intermarriage of poverty, the hereditary transmission of disease, the basis of so much misery in the world, would be at an end in three or at most four generations. 2. Greater care than is at present manifested ought to be taken with women who are about to become mothers. Wealthy women in this condition are often too much indulged in rest and are too richly fed Poor women in this condition are commonly underfed and made to toil too severely The poor as we have seen fare the best, but both practically are badly cared for Nothing that is extraordinary is required for the woman during this condition named She needs only to live by natural rule She should retire to rest early Take nine hours of sleep, perform walking or similar exercise to an extent short of actual fatigue during the day, Partake moderately of food and of animal food not oftener than twice in the day. Avoid all alcoholic drinks, take tea in limited quantities, forego all scenes that excite the passions, hear no violence of languages, be clothed in warm light, loose garments, and shun with scrupulous care every exposure to infectious disease. 3. In meeting the uncontrollable causes of disease, the special influence of season deserves particular regard. It should always be remembered that, other things being equal, during winter the body loses, during summer gains in weight. Further, it should be remembered that these changes are abrupt. That usually the loss commences sharply in September and lasts until April, and that the gain commences in April and lasts until September. In September, though the weather even be warm, it is right therefore to add to the clothing and to commence a little excess of food. In summer it is right not only to reduce the clothing but to eat less food than in the winter. 4. The best means of preventing the spread of the communicable diseases is perfect and instant isolation of the affected and Removal and thorough purifying of all clothing and bedding with which the affected have come into contact It is a vulgar error to suppose that every child must necessarily Suffer from the contagious maladies and that the risk of exposure to infection is therefore of little moment the chance of infection lessens with advance of life and that person is strongest who has never passed through a contagious malady. Against smallpox, vaccination is the grand safeguard, but even vaccination ought never to prevent the isolation of those who suffer from smallpox. 5. The mortality from the uncontrollable causes of disease amongst persons of advanced life is best prevented by providing against sudden vicissitudes of heat and cold. The primary guard is to care against sudden change of vascular tension from exposure to heat when the blood vessels are weakened by cold. Such exposure is the cause of nearly all the congestions which occur during winter and which carry off the enfeebled. The sound practice is to maintain the body at all hours and seasons, but especially during the hours of sleep at an equable temperature. The temperature of 60 degrees Fahrenheit may be considered a safe standard. 6. The true danger of every form of mental exercise is the addition of worry. Laborious mental exercise is healthy unless it be made anxious by necessary or unnecessary difficulties. Regular mental labor is best carried on by introducing into it some variety. New work gives time for repair better than attempt at complete rest since the active mind finds it impossible to evade its particular work Unless its activity be diverted into some new channel During the new work a fresh portion of the brain comes into play and the overwrought seat of mental faculty is secured repose and recovery Excessive competition in mental labor is ruinous at all ages of life seven The idea that excessive physical exercise is a sound means of promoting health is erroneous Man is not constructed to be a running or a leaping animal like a deer or a cat And to raise the physical above the mental culture were to return to the shortness and misery of savage life physical training while it should be moderately encouraged should be refined and made secondary to mental training Every rash and violent feat of competitive prowess should be discountenanced. eight The combination of mental and physical fatigue as it is practiced in many pursuits at this time are exceedingly dangerous Long journeys each day to and from the sphere of profession or business are hurtful The idea that mental labor may be advantageously supplemented by violent muscular exercise Such as is implied in long and fatiguing walks or laborious exercise on horseback is an error Moderate and regular exercise at the same time favors mental work The practical point is to regulate the physical labor that it shall not induce fatigue nine One of the surest means for keeping the body and mind in perfect health consists in learning to hold the passions in Subservience to the reasoning faculties this rule applies to every passion Man distinguished from all other animals by the peculiarity of his reason is placed above his passions to be the director of his will can protect himself from every mere animal degradation resulting from passionate excitement The education of the man should be directed not to suppress such passions as are ennobling But to bring under governance and especially to subdue those most destructive passions anger hate and fear ten To escape the evils arising from the use of alcohol There is only one perfect course namely to abstain from alcohol altogether No fear need be entertained of any physical or mental harm from such abstinence Every good may be expected from it true a certain very qualified temperance a Temperance that keeps the adult to a strict allowance of one ounce and a half of alcohol in each 24 hours May possibly be compatible with a healthy life, but such indulgence is unnecessary and encourages the dangerous desire to further indulgence A man or a woman who abstains is healthy and safe. A man or woman who indulges at all is unsafe. A man or woman who relies on alcohol for support is lost. 11. Smoking tobacco and the use of tobacco in every form is a habit better not acquired, and when acquired is better abandoned. The young should especially avoid the habit. It gives a it doubtful pleasure for a certain penalty less destructive than alcohol it induces various nervous changes some of which pass into organic modifications of function so long as the practice of smoking is continued the smoker is temporarily out of health when the odor of tobacco hangs long on the breath and other secretions of the smoker that smoker is in danger excessive smoking has proved directly fatal twelve indulgence in narcotics opium chloral chlorodyne ether absinthe and all others of the class is an entire departure from natural law except under the direction of skilled opinion and for the cure of disease the use of these agents is subversive of the animal functions and is a certain means of embittering and shortening life It is doubtful whether the freedom of the subject ought to be permitted to extend to the uncontrolled self-indulgence in these poisons The indulgence indicates an unsound reason which requires to be governed by sound reason temperately enforced thirteen The food on which the man who would be healthy should live should be selected so as to ensure variety without excess Animal food should not be taken oftener than twice daily The amount of animal and vegetable food combined should not exceed 30 ounces in the 24 hours and for the majority of persons an average of 24 ounces of mixed solid food A third only of which should be animal is sufficient all animal food should be eaten while they are fresh and after they are well cooked the habit of eating underdone flesh is an almost certain cause of parasitic disease. The amount of fluid taken, in any form, should not exceed an average of twenty four ounces daily. Water is the only natural beverage. fourteen. To escape the injuries arising from impure air, it is necessary to attend to the following rules: To avoid the admission into closed apartments of air charged with any substance that offends the sense of smell To avoid surcharging the air with vapor of water To keep the temperature in every room as nearly as possible at the safe standard of 60 degrees Fahrenheit To take ample means of allowing air to escape from the room by every available outward draft by the chimney flue especially to admit air freely at all times, and, when a room is not in use, and the external air is not charged with moisture, to allow the entrance of air from without through every window and door. 15. Occupations of every kind, however varied they may be, require to be alternated fairly with rest and recreation. It is the worst mistake to suppose. That most and best work can be done when these aids are omitted Strictly no occupation that calls forth special mental and physical work should fill more than one-third of the daily life The minds of men of all classes ought now to be devoted to the promotion of a systematic method By which the productive labor of every life should be carried on within the limited term of eight hours in the twenty-four. The body of man is not constructed to run its completed circle under a heavier burden of labor 16 Enforced idleness by those who have acquired wealth is always an error so long as the health is good Men of business should never actually retire while they retain fair bodily and physical faculty it is one of the gravest of errors to attempt to enforce idleness on others from the mistaken sentiment of wishing to place them beyond the necessity for work. This is against nature. The earth, which is itself ever in motion, demands ever the motion of cultivation from its inhabitants, that it may be a garden properly arranged from age to age. Those therefore who have idleness thrust upon them by their progenitors Should throw it off as if some necessity for work were equally theirs By this plan they will live longest to enjoy the greatest happiness 17 The natural duration of sleep is eight hours out of the 24 and those who can secure this lead the soundest lives it is best taken from 10 o'clock till 6 and it is most readily obtained by cultivating it as an automatic procedure. All stimulants, all excitements, all excessive fatigues, all exhaustions pervert sleep, even if they do not prevent it. The room in which sleep is taken should be the best ventilated and the most equably warmed room in the house. The air of the room should be maintained at the natural standard of 60 degrees Fahrenheit And the body of the sleeper should always be kept completely warm the bed should be soft and yielding a Regular tendency to sleep at other hours than the natural is a sure sign of error of habit or of nervous derangement 18 Dress to be perfectly compatible with healthy life should fit loosely should be light warm and porous should be adapted to the season as to color should be throughout every part of the clothing, upper as well as under, frequently changed, and should be at all times scrupulously clean. The wearing of clothes until they are threadbare is an invariable error in all that respects the health, to say nothing of the comfort of the wearer. All bands or corsets which in any way restrict the course of blood in any part of the body are directly injurious. Dresses dyed with irritating dye stuffs ought to be carefully avoided 19 Connected with cleanliness of clothing as a means of health is personal cleanliness Perfected action of the skin so essential to the perfect life can only be obtained by thorough ablution of the whole body the ablution ought strictly to be performed once in every 24 hours It is best to train the body to the use of cold water through all seasons So that the requirement for water of raised temperature may not become a necessity The simplest and best bath is the ordinary sponge bath plunging splashing showers and the like are mere pastimes The occasional use of the hot air or Turkish bath is an important adjunct to the means of maintaining health End of chapter 8 Rules for Health